The scripture reading for today is John 5, 12 through 25. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away where there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his, his own father, making himself equal, equal with God. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who heal here will live. John 5, 12 through 25. Let's pray for hmm? the message. Hmm? Father, we just pray now for your words to go forth. And Lord, we just ask that the Take it into our hearts and spread it from here. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in the book of Romans. If you can take your Bibles and turn there. We have made a huge change last couple of weeks. We moved from Romans 5 into Romans 6. Now, that may not seem like a big change to you, but it is, because Romans 5, 4, and 3 all dealt with justification. Justification. Justification is where you are declared righteous before the judge. Now, in chapter 6, we change subjects, not to justification, but to sanctification. Now, through chapter 6, 7, and 8, we'll get a good definition of sanctification. And by the time we get to the chapter 9, you will know the definition of sanctification. But since we're just beginning, let me give you a definition. Sanctification is positionally accomplished once for all at the moment of salvation. It also begins the, salvation, the believer's lifelong process of cleaning out sinful actions and changing their actions towards holiness. 
towards holiness so that the believer can reflect the character of the Son of God. Let me say that again. Sanctification is positionally accomplished once for all at the moment of salvation. So, positionally, sanctification occurs when you are saved. The work of sanctification continues, though, and it's a lifelong process of cleaning out all sinful actions and changing their actions towards holiness. Thank you. Towards holiness so that the believer can reflect the character of the Son of God. Okay, it's still not working. Somebody kick it, please. It has frozen and died. There we go. Thank you. You didn't kick it hard enough, but thank you. Last week, we began our study of sanctification. We talked about a believer not being able to continue with sinful actions. Cannot happen. He doesn't like it. A believer has changed his relationship with the power of sin. A believer has changed his relationship with Jesus Christ. A believer has changed his relationship with death, both spiritually, physically, and eternally. And then a believer has changed his relationship with God the Father and therefore has life, eternal life. <clears throat> Chameleons. You know what they are? They're a little lizard, right? Little lizard, and they run around in trees and plants and things outside. Okay? And the trick a chameleon has is they change so they look like the tree or plant or whatever it is they're in, right? They conform to their surroundings. The problem is that believers are not to conform to their surroundings. You're to be an anti-chameleon, if there is such a thing. I don't know what that is. But if it is, that is what a believer is to be. A believer is to be transformed, not conformed. So when people look at you, they are to see something different than the world. That is sanctification. That is the progress that you and I take when we grow to be more like Jesus Christ. Here we go. Let's look at it first off negatively. What are three main problems that every non-believer has in his life? What are three main problems that every believer, non-believer has in his life? Now, these three things are going to be simple. They have been repeatedly mentioned in the book of Romans all the way back to chapter 1. So, we won't spend much time defining them, but we'll cover them quickly. First, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. The number one problem that a non-believer has is being controlled by the old self. Being controlled by the old self. The old self is a term that believers know about. 
See, it begins knowing this, knowing this. <clears throat> it uses the gnosko word, which means a relationship you have with it. You experience it. You know it. If you're a believer, you know what your old self is. Your old self is what you had being related to Adam and that sin nature that came through him and that ability to sin without even thinking that you're sinning. That old self, a believer knows the victory he has over the old self because of Jesus Christ. Our old self is the person the sinner was before salvation. The old Adam controlling by the power of sin your actions. So that even when you try to do something good, you sin. The old self is under the power of sin, is ungodly, it's the one that commits sins, and therefore it's the enemy of God, and you are ruled by that sin and old nature. That old nature is not old in old time-wise, but it's old in a worn-out, useless way. You are defeating the old self, which is not easy to do. It takes and demands a crucifixion. So the old self is completely done away with, with the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and you apply it to your life by being saved. And then you have victory over the old self. Now, let me, let me help you with that real quick. There are a couple of things here. Ten, matter of fact. <clears throat> Options for the believer if the sin nature that you have power over irks its little head up. Okay? If it starts to be a problem in your life, when you have victory over it, that means something has changed in your relationship to sin. Okay? And I'm going to do these in order. And I'm going to do these in order from the easiest to the biggest tragedy. Okay, so we're going to start off easy. What do you do if you have a sin this week and you sin and do it on Monday, you sin and do it on Tuesday, what do you do on Wednesday to take care of the problem? First thing, Matthew 6 says, the power of forgiveness will defeat sin. Forgiveness, that's easy. You forgive people and it keeps you from sinning. How about this one? The power of love. 1 Peter 4. The power of love defeats sin. The power of love. If you love rather than sin, you'll be victorious. Third, use the power of walking in the light to defeat sin. Have a relationship close with God the Father. 1 John chapter 1. The power for the power of repentance to defeat sin. Acts chapter 2. Five, use the power of prayer to defeat sin. James chapter 5. Six, use the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat sin. 
Galatians chapter 5. 7. Use the power of confessing our sins to one another to defeat sin. 1 John chapter 1. Number 8. Use the power of admonishment to defeat sin. You see how we're getting tougher now? This is where you have another believer come into your life, say, hey, you have a problem. I've seen you on Monday and I've seen you on Tuesday. You've got to stop this sin. And they counsel you and admonish you. Nine, use the power of my church to defeat sin. Gets tougher. Here, the church knows about the problem you had on Monday and Tuesday and the continual defeat you have to sin. And you have the entire church, not just one person, admonishing you. And then number ten, you use the power of God's discipline to defeat sin. And that will be the most stressful sweatful event in your battle with sin. But it will defeat it because God will work and He'll keep you from that sin. Okay? We've gone down the slope here. We're in a valley right now. Let's get out of the valley. Let's talk about how many ways. Two, four, six ways to be victorious over sin. Six ways to have victory over sin on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and every day. First, number one, be justified and positionally sanctified. In other words, be saved. If you are not saved, there's no victory over sin. You cannot defeat it, you will do it. So, first step, be saved. 1 Corinthians 6. Second step. Have your focus on the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Have your focus on the Holy Spirit. Three, have your mind focus on the commands of God. If you keep your mind on the commands of God, you keep focus on the Holy Spirit, you remember that you're sanctified and justified, you'll have a victory over sin. The temptation will not get you. Four, have, act, have your actions that are not listed in the Bible... Controlled by the Holy Spirit. So if there's something you're doing, and it's sinful, and it's not in the Bible, there's no verse that says don't do it, the Holy Spirit will help control you from that sin and have victory. Five, have your passive passions and active desires controlled by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 24, talks about your passions and desires can be defeated with the Holy Spirit. And you do that by allowing the Holy Spirit to control your desires and your passions. Six, put aside all evil actions, evil words, evil thoughts from your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. By doing those things, you can have victory on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, any day of the week when you're battling with sin. You can do these things so that you have victory over the old self. The old self. And if you ignore your old self, that first list of ten things will occur in your life until God 
disciplines you. Now, I'm not saying every time, but a lot of time, God disciplines you by calling you home. And however it works, God will get you to stop that sinful giving in to the old self because the old self has been defeated. Look back at Romans. Chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that your old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin, our body of sin, the second thing you have going on in your life that every non-believer has completely no control over is the body of sin. The non-believer is controlled by the body of sin. The body of sin for the believer should be defeated by the Holy Spirit's work, by studying Scripture, by giving in to the obedient commands God wants you to do. The body of sin. The body of sin may have to do with the sinful actions done under the power of sin. There will be actions that are done that produce sinful results. The body of sin, one pastor puts it this way, quote, the body of sin is the instrument of contact that is the way a person interacts with this evil world. The evil world. He interacts with the evil world with his body of sin. In the context, the body of sin is done away with at salvation. You can have victory over your sinful actions. You cannot say, the devil made me do it. Because a believer has victory over his actions. Uh, let me read you some verses here. Write down Romans 8.10. Romans 8.10. The sinful body has to do with the physical helplessness of the body to have the tendency to sin. Romans 8.10 says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. In other words, when you're saved, you get a spirit of righteousness. So you can defeat the body of sin. Let's put it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. The believer whose body of sin is done away with, his body now belongs to the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own? You belong to the Holy Spirit. You become justified and sanctified. The Holy Spirit takes control even of your body and your actions. Another verse, Romans 12, verse 1. The goal of a believer's body is a tool to worship God. Verse 1, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Spiritual worship of worship. So we worship God with our bodies as believers. Therefore, our bodies are not to be used for sinful actions. Third, what are the three main problems that every non-believer has? Look at the end of verse 6. <clears throat> Body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. Third thing, the non-believer is controlled by his leadership of sin. His leadership of sin. Leadership of sin. In other words, 
he is a slave to sin. When he hears voices, it's sinful. When he thinks about doing something, it's sinful. When he thinks about doing something, it's sinful. For the non-believers controlled a slave to sin. If you're a slave, you do what your master says. All the non-slaves in here didn't get that. Here we go. If you're a slave, you do what your master says. John 8.34 says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. So your union with Jesus Christ ends the leadership of sin in your life. Now, let's switch from this depressing thought of sin controlling you. But sin, uh, being a slave to sin, having a body of sin, all the things that sin does to you can be defeated by one act, an act of faith. An act of faith where you trust in the work of Jesus Christ. Everything we talk about about communion. When you trust the work of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Here you go. Now this is good. This you want to spend the rest of the week thinking about. Not sin. Not being a slave to sin. A body of sin. No, no, no. What you want to be thinking about is we have been united with Him in the likeness of His death. And certainly we shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. What will faith in Jesus Christ do for a sinner caught in the power of sin. What will the work of Jesus Christ do? What will faith in Jesus Christ do? Number one, by faith, the believer has a permanent bond. A permanent bond. I don't know what you want to do. If you want to use your own words for that, whatever words you want, cement, <laughs> crazy glue, whatever you want, you have a permanent bond with the death of Jesus Christ. With the death of Jesus Christ. By faith, the believer has a permanent bond with the death of Jesus Christ. This verse 6 here, verse 5 here, is basically Paul's definition of sanctification. He begins first part, being united with the likeness of his death. But, but the death of Jesus Christ is associated with the believer's salvation. Now, Whenever I was saved in 1970, 70s or whatever it was, when I was saved, I had a connection directly back to 33 AD or 30 or 36, whatever date you give the crucifixion. I am directly connected in the 70s to the 30s. My salvation causes a permanent relationship with the death of Jesus Christ. What does this do for me? It becomes. Well, that's what it says. For we have become. We have become. 
Become is in the perfect active tense. In other words, it is when you have a step of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you become permanently, forever saved. Perfect active tense, a one-time action in the past that has continual results. It is positional sanctification. You are sanctified, and you are in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, and on. You are sanctified. The believer, through faith, enters into a spiritual death with Jesus Christ. See the word united? Become united. United. Here you go, farmers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak your language right now. Here you go. United. The Greek word means to grow together. You didn't think I knew farming language, huh? That fooled you. This city boy knows farming language. You have been united. You are being grown together. Now, if you go to my garden I have in the backyard, which I've never touched, you'll notice there are big pots out there, plastic pots that we stole from the neighbor down over here. And they're big, and they have a bunch of green stuff growing in them. Well, not growing. They're planted in them. Hopefully a little grow. Maybe. Pots. Okay. Big red buckets. And guess what? If you get planted in my bucket, you're going to stay in my bucket. And if I plant another plant in there, guess what? That plant's going to stay in my bucket. I don't have plants that move around by helicopter to other buckets. In a bucket, you're done. You'll be in that bucket for the rest of the season. Quit whispering, farmers. I see you. <laughs> Listen. When you accepted the gospel message and you heard the good news of Jesus Christ, you were put in a bucket. And that bucket is combined your life spiritually with the death of Jesus Christ. You have become united. You are united to the death of Jesus Christ. What's the death of Jesus Christ do for you? The likeness of His death it's not getting out of prison and running away. But it's getting into the house of God where no power of sin can get to you. Ooh. So you get into the bucket with Jesus Christ, the power of sin no longer has claim over you. You are free from that power because of the death of Jesus Christ. Death of Jesus Christ means gives you the means by which the believer can be holy in his sanctification because he's no longer a slave to sin. Second, what will faith in Jesus Christ do for the sinner caught in the power of sin? Look at the end of verse 5. Likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Woo! The resurrection. We got death, you're in the same bucket with Jesus. Notice, you will also be in the likeness of the, his resurrection. What will faith in Jesus Christ do for the sinner caught in the power of sin? Number two, by faith, the believer begins a progressive, 
a progressive bond, a progressive cementing, a progressive crazy group. But you get progressively more into this. What is it? You get more into the life of Jesus Christ. You get bonded into the life of Jesus Christ. You get progressively more into Jesus Christ. Each and every day, you get more of Jesus. We shall also be, we, once you're justified, you are progressively begin the work of sanctification where you become more holy and more living in life. Life. One future day, you will have the end of your sanctification when you go and see God in heaven, either by rapture or by death. When you get there, you will be glorified, which is the end of your work of sanctification. You will be glorified. Believers are to be growing as a child of God, and you are growing in union with Jesus Christ's resurrection. Because of his resurrection, you have a new life. It's like a, a second birth that comes with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are resurrected with Jesus Christ. You are alive. You have eternal life. You have a new life. Everything is new. And there's no power of sin over you. You have a supreme demonstration of his ability to defeat death. And you can be victorious over death because of his resurrection. Number three, drop down to verse six. Yes, I know we covered verse six, but we're going to look at some parts of verse six that we didn't cover. Knowing this, that our old self, what's the next phrase? Was crucified with him. Was crucified with him. What will the faith in Jesus Christ do for the sinner caught in the power of sin? Number three, by faith, the believer has a permanent trust in the work of Jesus Christ. A permanent trust in the work of Jesus Christ. You have been crucified with Him. You have been crucified with Him. Believers are spiritually baptized into the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The old self is nailed to the cross. You have defeated it. Crucified, aorist tense, passive done by somebody else that's applied to you at a point in time in the past. So in other words, when you are saved, you are crucified with Jesus Christ. And the work of Jesus Christ causes you to have a different relationship with sin. Crucifixion destroys the power of sin. I don't know how we judge this, but in my opinion... Death on a cross is the most terrible death of anything that could be done. And Jesus went to the most terrible death at the perfect time in history and died on a cross for your sins. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The old self is dead because of the crucifixion work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I have victory. Number four, the middle of verse six. 
was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Might be done away with. How does this happen? What will faith in Jesus Christ do for the sinner caught in the power of sin? Number four, by faith, the believer has a permanent victory. A permanent victory over the enemies of Jesus Christ. Over the enemies of Jesus Christ. What is being done here? What does done away mean? It means to be put out of business. <laughs> it means to be destroyed. It means to be put out of commission. It means to no longer have an effect. The power of sin is ineffective because Jesus Christ took away the power of control from sin. The enemy of Jesus Christ has been defeated. By the way, your biggest enemy has been defeated. Sin. Creation's biggest enemy. Sin has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. Verse 7. For he who has died is freed from sin. What will faith in Jesus Christ do for the sinner caught in the power of sin? Number five, by faith, the believer has permanent holiness with the blood of Jesus Christ. Permanent holiness. You are sanctified. You are considered holy. You are able to do holy things. Because he has died. The connection you have between the death of Jesus Christ and your spiritual salvation is directly connected to each other. Believers have died, aorist tense, active, to sin. That salvation, the power of sin over a believer is done. No longer exists. You're positionally sanctified. A dead person cannot commit a sin. Sin is dead. It can't cause you to sin. It can't do anything to make you sin. It can't do it. Sinners live under the power of sin. It only leads to death. Jesus Christ defeated death, defeated sin. Okay, let's talk about it. If you die to sin, you won't do it. You won't do it. A person cannot be alive to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. You only can be alive to one or the other. If you're alive to Jesus Christ, you will have victory over sin. Let's keep going. The end of verse 7 is freed from sin. Is freed from sin. What will faith in Jesus Christ do for the sinner caught in the power of sin? Number six. Number six. By faith, the believer has a permanent freedom by the mercy of Jesus Christ. By faith, the believer has a permanent freedom by the mercy of Jesus Christ. You are free from sin. Freed. No legal cause against you. Nobody can take you to court because of sin. You're free. Perfect passive tense. You cannot do anything to lose your freedom. 
You cannot do it. You get it passively. It's done to you. It causes you in the point in time in the past when you are saved, you hear the gospel message, you repent of your sins, you trust Jesus Christ, you are saved. You are made holy. The Greek term freed means to make holy and make pure. Freedom the believer is given by Jesus Christ, by God, is the mercy that comes from God and Jesus Christ. That does not mean you'll be sinless, but you'll have a positional place of freedom from sin. There will always be an option not to sin. You'll never be painted into a corner by sin. You'll be able to get out of it. By the mercy of God, a believer will stand perfect before Him. By the power of the Holy Spirit, will you say no to the sin that so easily entangles you so that you will not fall short of what God desires for your life. This week, you'll have a thousand different forks in the road. One to do something sinful, one to do something holy. God did everything He can to make you holy. You have the option this week, believer, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to say no to sin. And do what God desires for you to do this week. Now let's think about this for a minute. you got two options. You can do something sinful, which would bring the discipline of God. Or you can do something holy, which would bring something of a reward from God. Now let me think about this. Which would be better for you to do this week? Um, 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 um. I hope I don't have to answer the question. You do something that God wants you to do. God, instead of being satisfied, will give you a reward. You do something sinful. God will discipline you to get you back to doing the holy and righteous thing. You are not a sinner. You're not controlled by your old self. You're not controlled by the, your body of sin. You're not controlled by being a slave to sin. You're not that person because you've been saved. But, if you're not a believer, the end of this sermon is a little bit different for you. Turn to John chapter 5. I'll wait. John chapter 5. Turn your phone back on. We're not done. John chapter 5, verse 24. John chapter 5, verse 24. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ through the gospel message by placing your faith in the promises of God, here is the conclusion of this message for you. Verse 24 in chapter 5, Gospel of John 24 and 25, truly, truly, I say to you that he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. In other words, the first thing you have to do is you have to believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ.
and does not come into judgment, you'll miss judgment. You do not accept Jesus Christ, you will face judgment. But has passed from death into life. Right now, all you have is sin and death. You accept Jesus Christ, you have life. Verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. In other words, it's going to be here any moment now. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. In other words, there'll be believers who pass away, who will die being forgiven, and they will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear it will live. Those who hear it will live. Those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ will not hear that call. They will wait later, a thousand years later, and they will hear a great white throne judgment where you will be judged by a holy and righteous Jesus Christ, and every sin will be announced, every evil thought will be announced, and you will receive your just reward of a place in the lake of fire. But, Jesus Christ did all the work. Giving life to the spiritually dead is done by Jesus Christ and a spiritual resurrection that takes place by faith in the work of Jesus Christ. Here you go, farmer. Farming illustration number two. This is your lucky day. Write it down. Put it in your Bibles. Two illustrations, one sermon. Applying to you farmers. May never happen again. See, all of us grow up in a lemon field. Lemon trees. We have lemons. Sour lemons that eat away at your enamel on your teeth. You have lemons. For breakfast, you have lemons for lunch. You have lemons for dinner. You grow up in this plantation and everybody around you eats lemons. You are one of many who eats lemons. You think life is full of lemons. You'd be correct because life is full of lemons because you live in a lemon farm. But one day, you hear about another farm that's across the road. And it's a free escalator ride from the lemon field to the other field. All you got to do is get on the escalator and it will take you over to the field. The other field is a strawberry field. I love strawberries. That's why I picked it. I could eat strawberries for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and be extremely happy. Because strawberries make me happy. And I would be happy. And I would have strawberries all the time. And life would be so great because there's no lemon anywhere in the strawberry field. I don't want a lemon. I don't have a desire for the lemon. The lemon is not my master anymore. But if one day I look over the lemon field and I think about taking a lemon that I know will hurt the, the enamel on my teeth, will make me cringe, and will not be good for me, and I have to work at it, 
There's no escalator going to the lemon field. I'd have to run up the, the escalator the wrong way. You ever done that? You got to run up the escalator the wrong way. It takes work. It's hard. But if I get over there and I take a lemon, you know what happens? That lemon will not taste like what I remember. Because that lemon will not satisfy me. Because that's the old field I used to live in. The new field I live in is a strawberry field. And God, by His grace, gives all of us an opportunity to come over to His field, which is the best field and the only option you have to a lemon field. And guess what will be more satisfying to you? will be the field that God brings you into. And you will think that a lemon will fill you up and do something good for you, but it won't. You'll have to ask forgiveness from your father for taking a bite out of a lemon. And quit. you got to enjoy what he gives you. Okay, here you go. Salvation comes for people who lived in a lemon field. That salvation, that lemon, is sin. And it used to make you happy when you were a sinner. But now that you've become a Christian by the work of Jesus Christ, the escalator, getting you into the strawberry field, which is the best field, so you can be happy, joyful, and have a purpose for living. And those times you sin, you go back to that lemon field, you have to work hard to sin, and you take a bite, and it does nothing, nothing for you except take the enamel off your teeth. does not please you at all. And it's a waste of time. And you feel bad that you did it because you grieved the Holy Spirit. And you have to repent. When you're saved, you have to understand how much better your life is compared to a life of sin. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about what God does for you. The work of sanctification which he does for you. The way he gives you the resurrection life. Which will be yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity in your word. I pray, Father, you help us understand Romans and Romans chapter 6. Help us understand what it means to be sanctified. And I pray, Father, that we can praise you for the privilege to be a part of the family of God. We thank you, Father, that we have been saved by the grace of God, by the mercy of Jesus Christ, by the work of Jesus Christ. We have been redeemed, and we are now your children. We thank you, Father, for your great work in our lives, for changing our life, making us powerful Holy Spirit and dwelled people to advance your kingdom while on this earth. Thank you, Father, for all you do for us. Thank you, Father, for the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, for those that are still in the lemon field, that you would help us to encourage them this week to get out. There's a better way to live, and it's with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.